0: You're listening to Offscript, the Atlantic Canada Politics Podcast. My name is Mark Coffin, and today we're talking with the leader of the PEI Progressive Conservatives about reforming the PEI legislature. January 24th was a big news day in Canadian politics, a shocking one for Progressive Conservatives across the country. In Nova Scotia, then-PC Party leader Jamie Bailey was shown the door for what the PC Party called inappropriate behavior involving the sexual harassment of a staffer. In Ontario, then-PC party leader Patrick Brown faced allegations of sexual assault, and by the following day, January 25th, he had resigned. On January 25th, the PC party of PEI was up to something different. James Aylward is the MLA for Stratford kinlock leader of the official opposition and the Progressive Conservative Party of Prince Edward Island. On January 25th, James Aylward released a discussion paper about the need to reform the way the Prince Edward Island Legislative Assembly works. It's a topic that's unlikely to catch the attention of many newsreaders on the best of days, and is especially unlikely to do so on days like the one the paper was released on, for good and obvious reasons. There are about 20 recommendations in the paper, including a code of conduct for MLAs and staff at the legislature, more open data formats for government financial reporting, the ability to bring a rotating cast of cabinet ministers in front of the committee of the whole of the House for two-hour question and answer sessions to provoke a deeper exchange with members. American style sort of thing, changing the structure of legislative committees so that they are more independent and more funding to independent offices like the Privacy Commissioner and the Office of the Auditor General. You can read more about those recommendations and others in the PC Party of PEI's discussion paper, which we'll link to in our show notes over at OS 26 Here at Springtide, we talk about politics across Atlantic Canada, and we are particularly interested in ideas that change and have the potential to improve the way we govern ourselves and our communities. So today I'm talking with James Aylward to learn more about what he wants to change about the way the legislature works in on, on PEI. You'll hear my conversation with James Aylward right after this. Offscript is produced by Springtide. And if you enjoy listening to what we have to share each week, we encourage you to support our work through a small monthly contribution at springtide.ngo slash offscript support. Your support means we're going to keep bringing you podcasts like this one and the ones you've been hearing over the last few months. It means we'll be able to put more time into finding and sharing more interesting stories about people trying to make an impact through politics without destroying themselves or the fabric of democracy in the process. It's been a while since we've asked you to contribute, and we know our audience has changed. For every current supporter of the podcast, there are another 33 people just listening to each episode. If you're one of those supporters, thank you for your contribution. You have kept us going. If you're one of those 33 people just listening, welcome. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, this one is on the house. But if you've been listening for a while now, we hope you'll give us your support. We're hoping for small amounts from each listener. You can contribute $3, 5, 7 a month to support the podcast. You can do that over at springtide.ngo/offscript support. Something that makes our appeal different than those you might hear from other podcasts is that ours comes with a nice perk. Because Springtide is a registered educational charity, we offer our supporters a tax receipt, which means you pay less on your taxes when you support us. If you were a supporter of the podcast in 2017, you're going to get a tax receipt by the end of this week. If you're not a supporter of the podcast, you could be that person getting a tax receipt this time next year. So if you want to support us, go to Offscript Support. Mr. Well, Aylward, what problem is it that you're trying to solve with these reforms?
1: Well, Merck, uh, I guess what I'm trying to do is is to engage the public because I I feel very strongly that the uh, legislative assembly, uh, not only here in this province, but every province across Canada uh, belongs to the public. And um, in, in some, in some ways, uh, some of the rules and and, uh, the way the legislative assembly runs, uh, I feel are somewhat outdated. Um, And I'm of the opinion that uh, the, the rules and and, uh, the structure, the way it's established shouldn't be just, uh, dictated or, or decided uh, by whether it's all 27 MLAs debating it in the legislature or smaller rules committee making the decisions, I think that uh, the public should should have their input heard.
0: This is an issue that we care about here at Springtide and something we talked about a fair bit on the podcast in the past uh, around uh, what happens in the Nova Scotia legislature. And it's not always easy to get people excited about talking about rules and procedure. How has the response been uh, to what people have been, what have people been, been sharing with you, I guess, inside and and outside the the legislature? Because in our experience, it's it's tough to get uh, sometimes even politicians excited about this stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, we, we, we have a, a variety of discussion papers that we're going to be uh, um, putting out there for, for discussion. This just happens to be the first one that we put out. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be a, a burning uh, a burning issue in, in the hearts and minds of uh of everyone here on PEI, but but certainly there are people that are that are passionate about politics passionate about uh how uh, how government and opposition uh works uh or doesn't work for that matter uh in the representation and developing uh, laws uh here in our province so um, I feel that any any uh, input that we receive um, should be should be reviewed and, and looked at. So I, I welcome public engagement, uh, however limited or however expansive that it may be.
0: And so there's about twenty recommendations in the paper. Is there one or two uh, in there that you personally are, are particularly hopeful would have uh, a bigger impact on on the way politics works on PEI?
1: Hard to pin it down on just one uh, one or two, but um i I'd, I'd have to say probably one of the areas that i'd, I'd really like to see is around uh, the schedule of the legislative assembly right now there's there's some discussion around eliminating the the evening sittings uh to make the um legislative assembly to make it more um more uh, I, I guess uh open for for uh, the female population to uh, to put their name forward uh, to to run um so what I'd like to do is, is to bring that forward. Uh, I'll go back to that for a moment. Um, there is a motion on the floor right now, a discussion about eliminating the two evening sessions. We sit uh, on Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 7 to 9. And uh, there's a, a group, uh, a coalition for, for women in government. And that's one of the recommendations that they have brought forward, that uh, having evening sessions might be a little bit of a barrier or a limitation for for. Females to to potentially put their name forward. Um, hmm. My my thinking on it it's again it's the people's house um, and that uh, as an example we had a private members bill this this past session uh, around uh, PTSD for first responders and um, as opposition time we had one of the evening sessions and the gallery was literally filled with uh, first responders where they were they were fire fire um, uh, volunteer firefighters, uh, EM, mm-hmm. uh, those type of people, and if if we had a debate at that uh, that private members' bill during the day, then they wouldn't have been able to access and and to come into the Legislative Assembly to actually listen and witness the debate. Um, so while I'm, I, I'd like to see measures put forward to make it uh, uh, more flexible and and to make it more open uh, for for anyone to put the name forward um i do think that we still have to keep in mind that at the end of the day this is the people's uh this is the people's house this is the people's legisla- legislature and and we need need to make it first and foremost open and accessible to to the general public um so that's why i have also brought forward the idea around possibly having a, a set schedule a set number of weeks for for the house to sit right but, a
0: bit more predictable
1: yeah exactly predictable because then I mean, if you're, and I completely empathize, if if, if you're raising um, um, a young family um, and you need to obviously have a, a life-work balance, um, mm-hmm. if there's a, a set-established schedule, then you can plan your life uh, accordingly. Um, it wasn't that long ago that uh, the Legislative Assembly only had one sitting, and then uh, when, when Pat Binns, the uh, former Progressive Conservative Premier, was in power, he actually brought in a fall sitting, um, and typically the fall sitting is where the the capital uh, budget comes in and, and is debated, and the spring session, spring sitting, is where the uh, the operating budget comes in. But what we find is the unpredictability of how long the House is going to uh, um, to sit uh, depends a lot on what legislation is coming in, and and we are finding as as particularly opposition members. Uh, gain more experience and and knowledge around um, the the different portfolios that they're critic uh, uh, for or shadow critic for. Um, They're developing uh, a lot more intense uh, debate and questioning around, uh, particularly around the budgets and and, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of the government bills that are coming in. So now we have, um, I'll use, this past fall, for an example, we had some fairly extensive legislation that was being debated, whether it was uh, Lobby's Act, Whistleblowers Act, the Water Act, and things like that. Mm-hmm. At the time we were trying to uh, work our way through the capital budget. So you would have um, uh, whether it's deputy ministers or senior bureaucrats coming in, sitting in the gallery, waiting for that piece of legislation or, or their, their department uh, capital budget to come on the floor. And quite often, some of these people would sit there for two or three days and not actually be called for right. yeah. the whole. So one of the things that that I'm throwing out there for discussion is, okay, well, maybe we need to look at three separate sessions. Um, the spring session would still be for the operating budget, and, and we would go through that uh, in a very uh, rigorous manner. The fall session um, would be focused mainly on the capital budget, and then we could have uh, a winter session um, where we would actually debate legislation. So we would have much clearer and defined uh, schedule mm-hmm. of, of what the work is going to be done.
0: seems, I mean, the, the idea of predictability f- being a helpful tool for, uh, I guess, women in particular, but all MLAs who are, are trying to maintain that work-life balance. Uh, a few weeks ago when there was talk about you know, what is the impact of not adhering to fixed elections dates on um, people who are trying to be candidates, especially women who may bear the the burden of uh, child care or elder care? Um, and that idea that if you can't plan for something, if you can plan for something, you can get uh, a lot more involved. But if you can't plan for it, then you're sort of a, a prisoner of your schedule. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: So I was intrigued by, I think it's recommendation number four in your paper, ways to make be more collaborative in the approach to legislation where you floated the idea, at least a certain threshold of members of each party in the legislature must support proposed bills prior to being voted upon. I'm curious, I see that as sort of trying to provoke some, I guess, consensus-style decision-making. i curious where that's coming from and how you could see it working.
1: Well, I, I guess one of the issues um, that, that I've seen has been particularly around our standing committees in the past, where as much, and particularly public accounts, which I chaired for quite a few years here, um, where I've seen um, a lot of partisan politics come into play. Um, So I'd I'd like to see and and look and have an overall discussion on how we can get to a a much more non-partisan stage that we can actually work in a much more collaborative manner um, around around uh, the work that the committees are doing, but also with regards to uh tabling of legislation
0: so is the idea there just that uh, you would have uh, any member of any party being able to prevent a bill from passing or that there must be a certain level of um, i guess discussion or debate I, mean, I guess i'm not just just not sure how how it would work I mean the incentives for partisanship I'm of the opinion whether I like it or hate it the the parties have a a strong force in in all our political systems and that without some change in the incentives that have made it that way it's unlikely that that's going to change I guess what what do you see being kind of the motive for a party that wants to uh execute on his agenda agenda to get behind something like giving other parties veto power if, if I'm reading that correctly
1: Yeah, and I guess I'd like to go back maybe a little further into the um, establishment of of, uh, putting this forward. Uh, Hmm. One of the issues that we continually find ourselves in, uh, we we go into the Legislative Assembly, and uh, the government uh, starts um, tabling their bills, um, and they go on the order paper. And then we're looking to have a much more open and transparent approach so that the opposition... And the government, for that matter, when private member bills are, are coming forward from opposition, that there's much more uh, lead time uh, provided so that we can do our, our due diligence and we can do our own research on these bills before they hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if if we're more if, if we're better prepared to, to look at these bills, um, it's going to definitely enhance the debate around these mm-hmm. bills. Um, and also. Um, uh, briefing notes with regards to the bills. I mean, there's some bills that, that come forward and it might be just a, a grammatical error or or just a, a punctuation uh, right. amendment, right? I mean, those those are fairly straightforward and and uh, they can quite often uh, come in and get off the, the table pretty quick. But when you have a bill like whistleblowers legislation that, that's coming in um, mm. and we don't know that the government's bringing it in, um, were costs a little bit uh, um, behind uh, behind the, the scenes on it. But if we had uh, more knowledge in advance, we could certainly do our, our research. We could do uh, jurisdictional scans so that uh, we, we could be better prepared. And, and um, if if we felt that uh, in, in a spirit of collaboration that we could put an amendment forward on a piece of legislation that would help... Mm-hmm trends in the bill that the government was bringing in uh, I think that that would be a very positive approach to uh, to the debate.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, how have the the other parties uh, or I guess members from other parties uh, responded to the, some of the ideas in here? Have they engaged with it much?
1: Um we we did have a discussion uh, at one of our standing committee meetings. Um they've chosen more so to to kick it over to a, another standing committee, uh, hmm. so it came forward at the at the uh, the rules committee, and they've uh, um, pushed it over now to the legislative management committee. Um, whether that's a stalling tactic or not, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but I'm I'm happy to to see that uh, we seem to have uh, very positive uh, support on a lot of these initiatives and discussion from, from the Green Party here, which is the uh, official third party in our Legislative mm-hmm. Assembly. But even more importantly, as I said before, um, we've had some, some, some very, very good dialogue with, uh, with um, some of the electorate out there that's, that have either uh, asked to meet in person with us on it or um, have um, sent in read, written submissions and, and their thoughts on, on some of these issues as well.
0: I thought it was kind of interesting. The the timing that this came out uh, the week you released the paper happened to be the, the same week. We had a string of stories uh, from Nova Scotia, Ontario and, uh, the capital about male politicians behaving inappropriately towards female staff. Uh, I noticed one of the recommendations in here was uh, a code of conduct for, for MLAs and staff at the legislature. Do you see the recommendations that you're floating in here as potentially having an impact on the likelihood of uh, sexual harassment and uh, sexism in the workplace?
1: Yeah, well, I mean... I- Our legislature currently has a workplace harassment policies and conflict of interest laws and and other accountability tools in in place. But the idea behind a formal code of conduct would be to identify any gaps. And again, it could be looking at doing a jurisdictional scan um, and uh, finding accountability tools that can be addressed to ensure that the legislature remains a safe and inclusive workplace for all MLAs, uh, including the staff and, and the public.
0: So before I let you go, you mentioned when we began talking that this is just happens to be the first of, of a series of discussion papers that you're hoping to take to Islanders. Um, it's not something we see a lot of uh, anymore. The idea, you know, it's if you look at a, a lot of party platforms, you know, across the board, the the promises can be pretty specific and, and short and not necessarily you don't see a lot of the reasoning which you see in uh in your discussion paper there's a bit of a, a context piece- why for this and and for the other issues that you're you're saying are coming forward uh in in the near future um i guess why is it important and and to to take this approach to to policy development uh
1: well i to be honest when i ran for the uh, the leadership of the progressive conservative party here in p i this past summer um I was hearing continually from from Islanders saying that you know what they they just there was a lot of uh, skepticism uh, with regards to to how politics is done now because they've they've been hearing these buzzwords about openness and transparency and we're we, we're different we're going to do things differently but they really haven't seen any change um, mm-hmm. they still see a, a government that does budget consultations um, in. Um, Undisclosed locations, you have to apply to uh, to actually go and present at a, a budget uh, consultation, pre-budget consultation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have advisory committees that have been set up that uh, that aren't really freely allowed to, to put their thoughts forward. They're given an agenda by, by the department or by the government when they go into the meeting, and this is what you're going to discuss today and, and, and don't bring up any new business. Um, mm-hmm. So part of part of my platform running for the leadership of the Progressive Conservative Party was to actually bring government back to the people, was to show that there is a way to be truly open and transparent. And before policy and platform is developed by a political party, we want the input. We want to hear from, from Islanders, and not just our party members. We want to hear from Islanders, because th- there are very serious issues, um, that, that not only in our province, but many provinces, but of course I'm focusing here on PEI. Mm-hmm. That we need to hear founders on so that we can develop policies that are going to um, best reflect um, the thoughts and the opinions uh, of our electorate.
0: James Elward, I appreciate you taking the time to walk us through some of your approach and best of luck to you in the months ahead.
1: All right. Thanks very much, Mark. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: That is this week's episode of the Offscript podcast. Offscript is a podcast produced by Springtide and we are a Canadian charity committed to helping people lead change through politics with their integrity intact. Find us at springtide.ngo, facebook.com springtideco, or on Twitter at springtideco. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Coffin. Subscribe to the podcast, search for Offscript wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening on a web browser, you can subscribe for email updates in the right-hand sidebar of this post. And get a message whenever a new show is released, every Wednesday. Share this podcast on Facebook or Twitter. You can find an easy-to-share link at os 26 That's for Offscript episode 26. If you like what we do, support our work. You can chip in $3, $5, or $7 a month over at springtide.ngo slash offscript support.